Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Last year, I got to sit down with Skylar Sullivan, the Education Associate at the Diversionary Theater Company in San Diego, and we just had a candid talk about what they do and how long they've been around. It's pretty, pretty cool. Enjoy! Hello, my name is Skylar Sullivan. My pronouns are he, him, his. I identify as male. Um, I work at Diversionary Theater, our nation's third oldest LGBTQ theater. And I run the education department here. Fantastic. How long has the theater been around? We are in our 34th season, so it began in 1986. And uh, That's crazy. Husband... I didn't realize it was that long. Sorry yeah, to cut you off. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I'm always impressed that San Diego was able to sustain... Yeah, that's what I mean. 1984. 86. Oh, 86? Yeah. So that's like... That's at a pretty heavy time. Yeah, kind of kind of born right out of the AIDS crisis yeah. and fulfilling a need uh, in what then was an even more conservative community here. Um, so I'm really impressed that San Diego's been hanging on. Has San Diego always been gay? Well, not always, but you know. Um, I mean, I think I, I, I would have to research some of that, that history, but I think because of uh, you know the Navy having a, a large presence here, I would imagine that there is... Oh. You can track back, uh, you know, through the years of, of early gay bars and, and culture for that. I think it was probably underground for most of the, that early history. Um, but I think, you know, now having an organization like Diversionary, I would say it's, you know, our cultural hub at this point. Um, is, has it always been the space that we're in right now? No, we've, we've been in this particular building on at 4545 Park Boulevard for about... 10 to 12 years, if my memory is serving correctly. So before this building was so generously donated to the theater, uh, they performed in various locations downtown and around the, the Hillcrest area um, until we found our legs here. Cool. Um, just explain to everybody, like, the action. Did you say the mission yet? You didn't say I have not shared the say mission. This, yeah, share the mission. Go ahead. So Diversionary Theater was founded in 1986 to provide quality theater for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and the transgender communities. The mission of the theater is to provide an inspiring and thought-provoking theatrical platform to explore complex and diverse LGBT stories, which influence the larger cultural discussion. Our vision is to foster and amplify the next generation of LGBT voices, providing live entertainment in a dynamic, inclusive, and provocative environment that celebrates and preserves our unique culture. I love all that. <laughs> that's great. I think that's so fantastic. I don't really think there's a lot of... Um, I'm going to say there's not a lot of theaters that do that. Yeah, it's a, it's a short list. Yeah, it's a very short list, right? Yeah. Um, does every play that you, I mean, I know that's what it says, but does every play involve a queer, like, um, 
Is there a requirement for things to be here? It's a great question. Uh, it has to tie into that in some way. So it could be the playwright, it could be a right. character, That's it one. could be a theme. Um, you know, it has to sort of find its way in through that mission statement. So uh, within that scope, we have uh, more variety than you might think, but uh, but it, it will tie into that at some point, or even deal with a mar another marginalized community that is facing a similar struggle. When bringing in outside people, do they have to specifically be involved in the queer community, or do you rent it or bring in like other companies? We, we celebrate our allies as a strong part of our community, so no. Uh, Many of our programs are open to LGBTQIA and allied teens or senior citizens. So cool. we really celebrate our allies as part of our, our strength and our network. And um, no, we don't we don't ask actors to identify necessarily uh, before they audition. So it's um, it's sort of a self um, proclaiming kind of situation. That's great. All right, let's talk about what you do specifically with the queer youth at the theater and what's it like in this community specifically? Sure. So uh, we have six different education programs that are up and running. Um, three of those deal with youth. Um, the one that I'd like to start with is our largest program, which is our student matinee series, um, which is where we invite uh, school children at ages, you know, let's say grades, uh, you know, fifth through twelfth to see any of our main stage shows. This entire program is 100% free of charge for the schools. That's great. So we not only give them free tickets and access to the theater, um, but we also provide an educational package around each show, uh, and each student will receive a pre and post show workshop around any of the shows. Um, and that's a, that's a really uh, an amazing thing that we are able to offer because I think we are also the only theater in San Diego that provides a post show experience as well. Um, and considering our size, that we're able to do that, thanks to our generous funders, is, is a pretty amazing uh, deal for the schools. Um, so in that program, you know, I actually just taught a post-show workshop for our current show, Girlfriend, today. Um, so I was able to go back into a school and uh, debrief the show and sort of talk, how to get a great discussion going about the themes and their experience. And it really helps them process their experience, not only coming to this theater, but also kind of dealing with the themes and the storyline of the show. Yeah, what's that been like? Because it's a... Uh, they certainly didn't come. Did it say Hedwig? Uh, did you allow they them? They did. Yes. They did? We, we had a student, <laughs> a student matinee for our production oh, wow. of Hedwig. We actually, we don't make any edits or changes to the production. Good, I mean, yeah. Um, so depending on the content, you know, there sometimes is consideration of material. However, um, we stand by our material and if we need to put out a certain content warning, then we will, but, uh, but we, we like to present the work as is. Um, the community has been... Uh, it's funny, like, I'm in my 40s. When I started teaching, I had to be closeted. And at this point, you know, we are, I have seen an amazing shift in, in education, being in a member of the LGBTQIA community, going in originally to schools where I had to be closeted. And at this point, now in like a general school, like let's say we go into one of our larger high schools here, Hoover High, which is not necessarily a specific LGBT group of kids. And I am so amazed at how supportive and open-minded they are. Um, now, that, now, of course, there's always caveats to that, depending on certain schools or areas. But I have really seen, even in the five years that I've worked at Diversionary, I've seen a massive shift in how supportive, open-minded, and just how, how able they're, easily they're able to get on board with some of our content, which when I arrived, I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, or I wasn't sure how it was going to be received or how a school would want to engage with our organization. Uh, because of certain fears that are still in there. 
so I, I think it's it's been it's been amazing to, to watch that shift and uh, and and it's it's been amazing to bring these sort of universal human stories into these schools and and even if the students don't identify as part of our community, they can still find some identification in these characters oh, and and these themes and these struggles. Yeah. So. Um, that's pretty cool. There's always, I mean, that is the great thing about theater more than anything is that it doesn't even matter if you don't even understand the show that's going on in front of you. There will be one person or something or human being in that process of the, the experience uh, in a show that you're going to be like, I'll just follow them because I completely relate to them. It doesn't even matter if you've ever been to theater before. That's what's, such mag- that's what's so magical. Like Some of those kids might have, not even, have never seen a show or had the ability to get to a show. Exactly. The school I was in today is actually, it's an alternative high school, and a lot of the students come up from Mexico. So it's a, it's a school specifically designed for kids who kind of drop out or fail out or find the, or have a kid or however they're removed from the general education system, and they can come back and work on their high school diploma at, at, at any sort of rate. They, sometimes it takes them a few years, but so their students' ages are generally from around 15 to 22. Oh, wow. And we had, we had that group come, and, and, there, and a lot of those, those students, it was their first time seeing a show, let alone an LGBTQIA show. So. <laughs> right, you're like, I'm just going to give everything at once. <laughs> so yeah, here we go. So they stay here and go to school from Mexico. They cross the border every day. How far is it from here? I'm, I don't know. The border that. is about 16 miles from where we are right now. Oh, okay. So it's pretty close. Yeah. Oh, we live that close? I don't know, geography, geography, whatever. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes right now. That's cool. So they come in from Mexico every day. They do. See, those are the things that need to be in the news. <laughs> like, those things are not in the news. No, it's like, yeah, you don't, you don't hear about those things. I didn't know that even existed to, to do something like that so yeah. they can succeed and, like, do, and thrive There's in life. There's an amazing amount of... This is, the San Ysidro border crossing, which is right here, is the busiest land crossing in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how it stacks up against some of the world border crossings by foot or by car but it is a very busy port and there are so many people on both sides that cross every day for work or for life or for family and yeah you don't you don't necessarily hear those stories on the news wow i didn't even know so they can come over work and go home yeah i didn't even just tell that needs to be on the news i don't even know why that's not on the news they're just showing obviously it is bad and what's going on in the detention centers and stuff like that sure they've been there forever but um they're really bad now, but I didn't even know that was like allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all, you know, whether you get the, that stamp of approval or that visa or that, you right. know, the right papers to do it. But yes, that, that's, that's what's Because so what's the closest Mexican city, Mexico's country's city, state or town or whatever to Tijuana? Tijuana. How far is that though from? It's right over the border. It's literally over the border. Yeah, you can see it. You can, on a clear day, you can see it from, you can see it from some of our peaks here in San Diego. Cool. Yeah. So, because of that, is is um, is this? I don't know. San Diego diverse in in and of itself, though. Like I mean, who's, San who's permanent residents here? As far as the makeup, yeah, um, it's pretty diverse. I mean, it's it is somewhat segregated as many cities kind of fall into yeah. that. But uh-huh. um, but yeah, there is there's a, a, a massive Latinx community here. There's a lot of Asian, a lot of African American. There's cool. there you know there's sort of. San Diego County is pretty big, and San Diego proper is about 1.3 million. I believe. The I saw that on the sign driving in. Yeah. I said 1.3. That's big. That's huge. I was like, yeah. "Where is all of it?" Because it's the way the hills and the mountains. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's just the way they zone the city. So mm-hmm. it's. It's a. It's you know, it's a little more spread out than something like Manhattan. Right, where it's all just on top of everybody. Right. <laughs> um, cool. So. What's a what's a cool experience? I like to also know like what is some of the feedback, especially in a school like. 
that. Uh, what was the feedback, the post-show? Um, what, what did they say? Again, I was really surprised that, that, I, that students that did not necessarily identify to me that they were part of our community were very passionate about the, the, in the show that's about two young men. Oh yeah, explain the show. Sorry, everybody. So, so right now we have a production of Girlfriend with music and lyrics by Matthew Sweet and the book by Todd Almond. And it is based on Matthew Sweet's album, Girlfriend, which was released in 1991. And it, I don't know. It tells I was the, 11. <laughs> it tells the story. Uh, it takes place in Alliance, Nebraska. And it's these uh, two gentlemen on the last day of their senior year. Mike, the character of Mike, who is kind of very popular, kind of sports star, hands a mixtape that he made. Oh, it's also 1993, by the way. 1993, he hands a mixtape to another character named Will. On That's the thing you put inside a... <laughs> Like I said, they've been hit play, you have kids. To push the button, yeah. Sometimes you can hit record and do the thing. I'll, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he gives Will a mixtape on the last day of school, and Will uh, has a line in the show where he says, I thought I was the only one in Nebraska. So he's sort of kind of closeted, having trouble passing in school, getting bullied, and the, the sort of superstar jock hands him this sort of lesser popular kid a mixtape, and, and they start to hang out, and their relationship evolves from there. You know, was, they don't get that part. Well, some of them, they weren't even alive. But um, it is interesting because you're like, even when I watch things like that, it's like, it's so funny in 1993, as opposed to 2019, even though there's still some things, and do, a lot of things in 2019, 93 was not, that was coming out of the, that was coming out of a lot of craziness. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was what, about four, no, wait, three, about five, five years before Matthew Shepard. So, wow. so, you know, that was, that was an interesting point to bring into the classroom because some, some of it, like, we also go into a lot of GSAs, the Gay Straight Alliances, yeah, yeah. the Gender Sexuality Alliances in schools. That's what they're called now. I can never remember the new thing they call it, Gender yeah. Sexuality Alliances. It's different in every school. It but it's great that they have those now. We didn't have yeah. those. And, and I don't think, I think we did, but then again, I just did the theater program. My, so where same I, grew thing. Up, I grew up in Connecticut, and we did not have those. Really? There's, there's what part no, of Connecticut? I grew up just outside of Hartford, Connecticut. I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester. I have family in Chicopee. Okay. Random. We had a lot of stuff. In, well, Massachusetts is pretty gay, so. Yeah, but I mean, there was no one out in my high school. No. So it's like, you know, it was just, so it's funny, like, coming in as an educator to this younger generation, I, I, I have to sort of, you know, check myself because I have, I've got feelings about the fact that there are these resources for these kids now. And, right. And, and it was interesting to try to explain from my own experience uh, why, why it was, why we didn't come out earlier. Why, you know, why are these, why do these guys take you know, five or six times hanging out to make a move or to even touch. And, 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 and it's great. Where does it take place? Uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Oh, <laughs> I mean, even now, I mean, like, part, if you don't go to, there's certain pockets of that are in, you know, Mississippi and Kansas and that totally. whole, there's pockets that, oh, yeah, she everyone thinks, oh, the internet, I go, yes, it is totally better and they definitely have access. Not everything's RuPaul's Drag Race, although it is fabulous. But they still at least have, at least have access to that to see that you can, it does get better, you can do things that right. are I mean, resources. the fact that RuPaul's Drag Race is in the world changes so, things. I mean, I remember seeing her, I told the kids this actually because of pop culture, she was sort of like my pop culture mm -hmm. because I saw this person, I didn't call her a drag queen because that's not, that wasn't in my vocabulary, but I saw her on Spring Break on MTV. Mm -hmm. She used to host all those like <laughs> things and the, you better work, you know, her song. I didn't, I don't think... Definitely didn't. Be, I wasn't like she's a drag queen. I was just like she's she's amazing. I definitely didn't right. say fierce, but I was like she's amazing. 
who is this person? I didn't discon. I didn't like make it. I didn't see it that way. I don't under- I don't remember understanding it that way. Yeah. But I was just fascinated by it. And then Rent came out and my, my head exploded. I know. I remember the first time I saw that too. I was, <laughs> I was I, like, I just, okay. I couldn't move. I just, I couldn't believe that I was watching something that I could connect to so intensely. and that, So intensely. You know, yeah, that was a... I, that was a turning point for me. Me too. Yeah. So it's like, I came out when I was 16 and I was lucky. I have a cool family. And I had a boyfriend. I brought him to my prom. Wow. That's you so know? cool. And so... I was lucky and I know a lot of people aren't and that's why I always talk about that. I bring it up a thousand times just because, you know, it's important for them to hear that and it's also important for them to see the shows like uh, the one that Girlfriends because it is, was 1993 in Kansas and the way he approaches him with the play, uh, he gives him that mixtape. Yeah. yeah. And they're yeah. like, oh, what? <laughs> I mean, that would blow my mind too. I'd be like, yeah, it's like, oh wait, that, he, that person's never spoken to me they come from a very different caste system in school. It's just the two of them in the show, right? So you actually don't ever get the other stories around it, right? You you, you get a little bit of Mike, the, the, the more um, Sorry, athletic you... guy, Mike, his character. You get, you get a sense of his dad. There's a couple of moments where he's yelling to his dad, and you, you kind of learn a little bit about the relationship between Mike and his dad. But, and, and also Mike in the show at the beginning drops the bomb that he has a girlfriend. Okay. So on the first time that they're kind of on their first date, he, he mentions uh, his girlfriend, and all of a sudden it's like, oh Oops. Boy. Yeah, so, um, but, but it's just the two characters and then the, the band. The band is a big part of the show as well. See, I like that because that's just, uh, I think more and more stories need to be told that way. I don't, I don't want to disregard the people coming out stories and having the parent involved and all that stuff. But I think seeing things in it from a different perspective, like, um, and then just doing it together and them going through it, through it together is kind of more powerful on some levels. Um, like TV shows these days, you know, like they don't necessarily talk about the person being gay on the Connors. They had a great episode recently that wasn't a coming out episode. They called it that, which is really weird to me. Mm. Um, he's already gay. He already was out. His parents don't care. And he kissed a boy at school and they were dealing with that boy's mother basically through him. Um, so it's interesting the way now things might. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think How the, way, see it. the way it's written is really nice because you really it just focuses on the relationship. That's beautiful. And you do the get the tensions that are around them that you know, and you, and you if you if you do know something about what it, what it was like in the '90s, I mean, and it wasn't even that long ago. That's it's amazing how much it's not we that long ago. Yeah, we still have some progress to go. There's still plenty Tons. of places in this country. More lead characters played by LGBT out actors yeah. or queer parts or trans actors or exactly. who, whomever. Like we need more leads. They don't. There's yeah. they're not represented in the way that they should be still. But listen, but we're doing our little part getting these kids into see these shows. I think that's so fantastic. I didn't know that you did that part because I didn't. I don't know all the shows that go on here, so I don't know what you limit them. But you don't limit them. You just we don't. No, I mean, there out of the five years that I've been here, there was one only one show that we didn't invite a student that night to, just because it had it had uh, some nudity in it. Oh yeah, that's fair enough. That's weird. And that and, and that was it. And that was a very short moment. But unfortunately, we didn't we didn't go there with that. But we do have a show coming up in our season that's called Plot Points on Our Sexual Development by an amazing playwright uh, named Miranda Rose Hall. Cool. And it is a very raw look at two, two women talking very explicitly about their bodies and sex and masturbation. And Great. You don't necessarily see it on stage, but it, it, it will be one of the more one of the more in-your-face, edgy, sexual material shows that we, we have. And we're going to add a special kind of content uh, sensitivity around that but we're bringing kids to see it so we'll see how that goes I think it's great because what I've been told 
by a lot of kids is that they actually don't have uh, sex ed the way it should be done. They just because oftentimes they just pass it off to the gym teacher, right. which is sounds so like a movie, but it's true. And wow. like they don't really want to teach it because they're they don't know how to deal with their own sexuality most right. of the time. So you're learning it from somebody who's <laughs> uncomfortable with this material. And they cut out they cut out a huge component, which is the queer community. Right, and that's why I love in San Diego. There's uh, we have the uh, um, two great organizations. One is the LGBTQ Center, which is called the Center. And then San Diego Pride, uh, and both of them offer queer sex ed. There's actually a sign for it coming into town. Amazing, yeah. And I I, I love that. I love seeing that. I was like, all right, cool. And I love this show, Plot Points, that's coming up because it it is such an an amazing look at women claiming their bodies, claiming their sexuality in a way that I don't think a lot of young people see. So I'm really excited to get... To get some some groups into that show. That's the stuff that needs to keep happening, and and if people feel uncomfortable, like I always say, that's like just because they're uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable with themselves. That's the only reason why people get uncomfortable. Right. I don't care about talking about sex and sexuality. I love it. I love all things that sex and like sexuality and like just to talk, actually really getting down to it and just talking about it. One of these kids that I talked to recently, sixteen years old, wrote their sex sexual education curriculum for wow. their high school right now. That's so cool. And they're like, he's like, unfortunately, it's not going to be implemented before I leave because this is junior, but they're doing it and it's the big queer components in it. And oh, that's fantastic. I know. I was like, uh, you're amazing. So I'm going to on the podcast just by himself. But oh, that's cool. I know. Do you, so do you have, so that's one of the programs you do is you bring in schools and they see the shows and then you have the postdoc, which is I think a lot of Yes, there's, there's also two other little side parts of that that I just want to quickly mention. One is that we also share our space with the Land Archives of San Diego. Oh, yeah. So we do get the kids into a free tour when they come to the shows. So we open up the archives and they get a, a kind of an add-on experience of touring the Archive of San Diego. So when you say archives, can you just explain? Like, sure. So the, Lam- uh, the Lambda Archives is a national network here in the country that is tasked with preserving uh, and archiving the LGBTQ history and experience. So I, I don't know how far the records go back. I don't. That's a separate organization, but I know that they do have like pride posters and T-shirts going from all the, the pride festivals. They've got personal belongings. They've got costumes. They've got all sorts of wonderful uh, audio archives of people's stories, books that you can do research there. It's, it's a really amazing resource. Where is it? It's direct, located directly beneath us right now. Oh, cool. I want to, can I go look after it? If it yeah, if they're, if, they have, if they're open, cool. we can go pop in there. So, uh, it's just a, so this specific particular group here uh, is an offshoot from Lambda Legal. Yes. So they fit into a larger network of national archives, but we have the San Diego. Like PFLAGS has all their own chapters. Yes. And, okay, cool. Exactly. And then the other part that they, the students also get is a, talk, is a talk back with the creative team after the show. So there's also a post-show discussion that happens with the creative team. Oh, cool. And they can ask questions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are some of the funniest questions I've asked? Because kids are kids. I don't care. Across the board, kids are kids. You know, I have to say, those, those mature. really blow my mind. I'm not sure if I can think of like a, an amusing one, but, but we've had some interesting comments in those where kids will stand up in front of the whole audience or their, or their school and say something like, you know, I was having trouble... Um, understanding what was going on with me or, or understanding who I was and now I feel like after seeing this show I feel like I kind of am clearer on that or you know kids so cool. just saying th- you know like and the teachers also I hear a lot of great feedback from the teachers who 
who say things like, you know, this program saves lives or this, this show is 100%. changing people's experience. So, I mean, I, I, with that unfortunate suicide rate among LGBT teens, um, another one just happened. I, um, I feel really passionate about what our entire mission here, as well as all the programs that we run for, for our community. I mean, that's the work right there. Like if, if teachers are giving you that kind of feedback and it does save lives and it, because if it can't, if someone can't really, we all have to do this or had to do this or still have to do this. If you can't relate to somebody, if you can't see the person that you can relate to in something that they're doing specifically in the media or theater or theatrical, that is the majority of what we do is we yeah. watch television, we read books, we watch theater, like right. that's what we do. And if yeah. you can't see anybody that's like you, that's why kids kill themselves. Exactly. So we're hoping to kind of take some of that, that cloak away from that and shine some light on that and give them a community that they can be a part of and, and thrive in. God, and then you have the thing right downstairs. The, yeah, it's, an, it's an amazing. That is like, yeah, it's cool. this is like <laughs> queer heaven over here. <laughs> and then the, along with our shows, we also offer student tickets to all of our shows and we also offer two special LGBT youth nights. So uh, uh, LGBT youth and their allies and their families can get in to see two specific performances for only $5. So that's only $5? $5. That's great. Yeah, so... Um, we work with all of the other centers in town and get, get kids to come see it. And it's kind of, it's growing into a really interesting night of, of, you know, kids can come and meet other kids from other schools. And it's kind of a cool networking event that happens around it as well. The numbers are slowly growing, which makes me happy. But, um, but they're we growing. Do, we do offer that. Uh, we offer that for two of our previews on each of our main stage shows. The kid, they want it. Everybody wants it. It's just a matter of, everyone's like, well, they can find it on the internet. Go, no, 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 no. It doesn't, even with yeah. all the technology that we have and all of the ways of seeing things other than being there at the thing, people don't hook onto it the way they used to. I think it was more exciting when like you didn't see it that way and like say you got like a, we still get pamphlets, but like really like that's the only way that you would know a season or um, yeah. or you pick up the newspaper. I remember seeing the... <laughs> The review guy in Telegram and Gazette in Worcester had this guy that sat in a chair, and if he was sitting slumped down, he didn't like it. If he wasn't in the chair, he hated it. If he was standing on it, he was like clapping. It was like the best thing. But that was every morning, every every uh, Sunday morning, I would open that up, and and that's how I'd find out like the show that's going on at Foothills Theater, which was the equity like professional theater in my town, and then all the other hundreds of community theaters slash professional theaters, and that was exciting to me. So. No, we have to do more work now. Yeah. I think more work now. To yeah, because I mean, we're, we're competing against screens, you know. I mean, yeah. that's the reality. It's like, you know, a kid, has, if they have a phone in their pocket, they have access to almost anything they can think of to search and watch. So I think, you know, and a lot of the only barrier at that point with a $5 ticket or with a free ticket is the transportation. So, you know, serving the parts of the community that yeah. we really want to. That's been a big barrier for us. Is just making sure that there's less barriers for kids. So yeah, we do. We um, we have a grant from San Diego Pride where we bus kids in so the, to the show. So cool. Really, so, so about how half, far? Um, let's see. The lo- the longest. Uh, well, it's all within San Diego Unified School District. So it's pretty big. That, that does <laughs> go out pretty far. So I, I'd have to look at, at exactly hills and mountains to get to those things. Where, who's coming the <laughs> farthest? But. Yeah, it's really nice that, that, that San Diego Pride is able to help us and, and take down one of those barriers that would inhibit a group from coming. That is so cool. Uh, so, do you offer, so what else do you offer? Like classes? Do you okay, have- so let's see. The other, we also offer after school programs. We have two different sites going right now uh, teaching acting and improv and working on scripted material. So, there's you a, go somewhere? We do. We go off site for those. So, those are in schools. 
Uh, and then the other really exciting program we have for teens is a program called Teen Versionary, which happens during the summertime. I think I read about that. And we, we work on a LGBTQ play. We only get two weeks to put it up. And we will put it up on our main stage. And last this past season, we were able to tie it in with the San Diego Pride Festival. So we're actually an official Pride event that happened with the teens. So oh, cool. We did a, a show called Dear Harvey by an amazing playwright called Patricia Lowry. And it was originally commissioned by Diversionary about 10 or 11 years ago. And we brought it back and brought it home. And it's, it kind of has been done all over the place. But it's a verbatim theater piece based on the life of Harvey Milk. Cool. So that program basically takes kids at all levels, uh, and we uh, the ensemble has been a majority a majority of, of LGBT teens. We do open that to allies as well, but the majority of the people who are taking advantage of that um, are other teens that identify in that spectrum. Um, and that program, we, we basically take them from point A to point Z in two weeks, put up an entire play. Love that. And uh, it's, I thrive it's fast off of that. and furious. I love it, though. I thrive off of that. And we're and this year, I don't, we haven't announced this officially, but we are going to be tying in. Uh, we have some other programs that serve our older community. And for the first time uh, this coming uh, season of it, we are going to find a way to get the older folks and the younger folks collaborating together. So to go back to your earlier point, yeah, it's like they have their screens and they might be able to find a chat room or some sort of LGBT sort of community online. But I think, you know, coming live and meeting somebody or especially working with the older generation mm -hmm. and the older generation needs to be working with those younger mm -hmm. kids, too, because there is so much stigma even within our community about, yes. you know, this the, the old the elders, you know trying to understand this new conversation around gender and what it is to be trans. We get a lot, we have, we have, you know, it's like I'm an educator, but everyone on the staff and everyone who works on these shows has to step into an educator role all the time and help somebody who's older understand why, why is it so important to put, to say your pronouns? Right. Why is it so important to, to say LGBT when, you know, even in our own donor base sometimes or our own subscribers or our own community here that, you know, the, the older voice is kind of like, why can't we just be gay and lesbian like we used to be? And, and you know, so it's like, it's really kind of, even within our community, finding ways to bridge those gaps. So this program that we're going we're gonna to get going uh, next year, in, starting in January, uh, is going to help to, to eventually bring those two brackets of generations together and work together and learn from each other. That's so cool. That is like so important. Oh my God, that's so important because yeah, it's something I've really I've been working towards since I arrived here, and it took about five years to, to get it together where we were able right. to to do it. But I think this we we have an interesting idea for the next Pride Festival that we'll do again as an immersive piece of theater with both generations. That's great. I wish I lived here for those things. I don't have anything like that. Well, you can come back. Pride will probably be at some point in early July here. Is it July in the summer? Yeah, it's, it's usually around July fourteenth or something like. Oh, okay. Um, well, I hope I, I know I'm not wrapping it. No, up, you're not I hope that you you we feel like you could always come back and we get you to see some shows or come back and visit. Please don't be a stranger. Yeah, um, I love that. I wonder. I would. Oh, I'd love to see that. When's that show go up? The when, when technically would that it will performance we'll have, go? We'll have to wait until Pride releases their dates. They haven't done that yet. Okay. They're probably about to within the next few weeks or so. Uh, and once they announce their dates, then we'll move backwards from there and then end up there for the show. Cool. Yeah. So, any other programs? And they're like, um, those are the main ones that target the youth. Um, and I, could, if you, if we have time, I could tell you about some of the ones for the for the elders. Yeah. Well. What do you do um, for the elders? 
So we have two two programs right now for our we we I I I sort of hesitate and try to remove the word seniors from my vocabulary because I've got a lot of pushback and there's just a lot of research and sort of surveys that that are reflecting that the current older generation re, is rejecting that term because you know we're living longer that we're active longer so. Sure. The idea that stigma around you know ageism is real, and yeah. they they're kind of claiming their their mobility and their their life longer now. So I, I tend to say terms like um, elders or uh, lifelong learners or our older adults. Ooh, I like I like lifelong learners. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, so we have two programs for our older adults. Uh, the first one is called the Silver Squad, which is a free uh, drop-in acting class that happens. Uh, it's a little sporadic, but at the moment we probably do it about six or seven times a year. At the moment, so we're able to offer you know classes, and it's a it's about a two-hour workshop that could be in any discipline of the performing arts. So it could be movement, it could be voice, it could be improv, it could be comedy, it could be writing, and that's just a way for for someone to drop in and come hang out for two hours and take an artistic workshop and also get that sense of community because we hear so much that. You know, the seniors just need, they're looking for things to do. They're looking for ways to connect, especially if they're on their own. So it can get very lonely as you age. So I think that's a really great outcome of some of, of these two programs that they're able to find a community and find friends and have a purpose. The second one is called the Stonewall Salon, which is a longer program that happens in January. And we work for about two and a half months with one ensemble of seniors and they work to write and tell their own stories. So we give them help with playwriting, we give them help with their voice, we give them help with performance and acting, and uh, we are going to be partnering with another organization here in San Diego called So Say We All, which is similar to The Moth, where they help people tell their stories. So we're, we're, we're bringing in a, a teacher from oh, yeah. So Say We All, and we're going to kind of, kind of even go the distance on writing and kind of change the model a little bit, but it basically gives the senior the tools to stand publicly and, and tell a very personal story about their history. Um, and a majority of that ensemble is LGBT. We do open that to allies as well, but because of who we are, we tend to attract a majority of certain members in that way. So those two programs are the ones for the, for the seniors. Um, and they've been thriving. We, we, we have waiting lists for all those programs and, you know, it's, it, and, and, and the Stonewall Salon is also 100% free of charge. I love those programs. The theater company I work at, they've really, push to get those programs like that and to like any program that they really want to bring in obviously more diversity they like are all are all free their your youth program is completely free the kids that get into the shows get to be in the main stage show and they get the free class with it amazing because Broadway Ray raises money. He's this guy that local guy but there's always that person you there is he's so amazing I, though I don't have to judge them because they have marketable skills and they, they've worked hard, but it's it's a different thing. It is. It is not what we're about. We, we would much rather be building a stronger community. Yeah. Than, than it is amazing. They like, well, you know, we the, it's an affluent community where I, I teach this. And so what he does do, though, is he at the he makes, um, it's kind of like Broadway Cares for the youth. Okay. And at the end of the show, the adults give money and the buckets with the youth that during the it was news this year. Okay. That's what I choreographed. And so I saw this, and it's funny because you can't really say no to a kid. And they just worked their butts off for two and a half hours on stage. Right. And then he matches it. So they raised $40,000. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's actually the most I've ever raised. Wow, that's impressive. I know. I was like, uh, and that, would make, that makes everything free. Like, and it pays all the teachers. And wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Just for the, from the summer, spring to summer. That's amazing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because again, it's all about kind of re- reducing those barriers to, to really be able to target those community members that need this the most. Yeah, because the arts tend to be, I mean, we all know this, but the arts tend to be um, geared towards more affluent type of people. Exactly. It's like if you have the Broadway. time and the money to, to, to go be an actor or to play an instrument, I mean, that's not the only way in there, but it does make it a lot easier if you have some resources and some privilege around that. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it is great. Yeah, and that's why free theater is really important. Like, or getting kids in here, like, at the schools and stuff like that. It's so important. I know, we really believe that, like, be, like adding theater to someone's uh, sort of cultural experience is huge because, you know... Massive impact. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. It's the, the impact, actually, that's going to take that person further. Doesn't have, they don't have to do theater. It just has to be... I do an improv class with that. And none of those kids are never going to, some of those kids are never going to be on, in, on stage, like, in their lives. But the amount of lessons that we've come up with, and they've taught me and I've taught them, and with my, also my teaching partner, is like, these worlds we created with them, and these, these uh, games that they've come up with, or we've, like, created new concepts of how to do improv, and, like, saying yes and is so funny to them, because they are so, a lot of tweens and teens are uh, self-loathing a lot, like, a lot. And uh, it's amazing. They're so insecure. I was like, I don't think I was that insecure. I think I just ran my mouth too much. I was not that insecure. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can do it. It's fine. I got this. It's easy. But I also grew up with different type of teachers. People have to be more careful these days. And there's this whole thing. And helicopter parenting. And no, I totally agree. Things. I think the arts and arts education really provide some amazing life skills that whether or not they decide that professional yeah. path, I think it's, you know, whether it's confidence or whether it's working with others or collaborating or finding their voice or interview skills you know the list goes on so I, I I'm really passionate about arts education it's um yeah it's I just the growth I've seen in all students that I've ever had whether it be me just choreographing them in a musical to me teaching them or whatever it is and the way they can come at you sometimes and, <laughs> and the way they can be so well behaved and then like all the middle kids you know and then then putting them all together to try to make something happen on stage is probably one of the most profound experiences that I can experience as a teacher slash choreographer. Um, and that's why I love doing it in the yeah. creative process. I really, my favorite moment as an educator is that moment where they, the light bulb goes off, oh, where they, they are trying it and they're, they're willing to risk it, they're willing to fail, or you know, the ensemble's behind them and something clicks and they're able to apply it. And that's a really magical moment. So I mean, that. It's like so magical because it's magical for you when it happens to you. Right, and I'm also I'm also an actor. I'm an equity actor. I've, I've an MFA and I've been acting the whole time. Yeah. So it's like I mean I love acting too, but I don't I don't get letters from audience members years later and that are saying oh that performance really moved me. I'm still thinking <laughs> I mean, maybe once in a while, but like it's not nothing compared to when you run into an old student or somebody reaches out to you and says wow this this is what I remember or this is how it impacted me and. Right. And that's, that's really powerful. Yeah, it's like this building this groundwork for them to do whatever they want to do in life. Um, and some of them have gone on and off, been professional, become professional actors, or, and then, or, or just um, or started teaching, or whatever it is. Um, but it's just the confidence it builds, and it's just like the idea of taking risks that way. Because it is risky, like when sure. you're on stage, it's so, you know oh how, my gosh, not to explain to everybody what acting is, but like it's like so oh nerve-wracking. Gosh, so much vulnerability. And I think that the collaboration is a huge part of it too. You're forced to work and solve creative problems with people right. that are different than you. And that is what it, that's what it's all about. That's the only way we're going to get through all of these massive issues that, are, that our, our country is facing right now and our world. 
whether it's the environment, whether it's the political climate, whether mm-hmm. it's like, without that, I'm not sure how we we are gonna continue. No, I don't either. And uh, and the fact that you guys are doing it in such a big way with queer queer theater and queer uh, topics and all that, and just really, I can't believe it's been around since 1984. I can't imagine what it was like. In 1984, six. six some of our older sorry. our older patrons ha- can tell you some stories. So if you come back and check out a show, I mean, there are people that have been around since the beginning. I can't imagine sitting, watching, because it's been queer theater since the 80s, right? That's correct. So, and like seeing a love story on stage or a musical, whatever it was they were doing at the time, yeah. you know, here. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if you're in like New York. Okay. I know, right? You know, yeah. it's like it was done. It has been. It was been. It was being do, been uh, done a lot sooner. Um, I mean, you know, theater's pretty gay anyway. So it's to see it like with playwrights. I'm assuming that you've done t- plays since then, and like queer playwrights. I don't know if they were out or in or whatever they were during yeah. that time. Um, yeah, we were really. Because that's interesting to too. I know. I know. It's because like they might not even have been out, but they're certainly going to put a piece of theater that they yeah. obviously want to tell stories with. Yeah, I it, can't imagine. Someone should do a documentary about this theater because it, it'd be really interesting to track not only the history of how it started, how it was able to sustain itself, but also looking at the content over the years and how it's changed. Right. Because I've, I've only been around for about five years out of the 34, so I only know, I know my portion of it way better, but from what I know of people telling me and looking at the posters and understanding that the, the content sort of vibe and focus has shifted over the years to mirror what the community was was needing and looking for. What were the shows? You can think of any of them that were like, say um, in the 90s, early uh, 90s. If, if you go down to our lobby, there's, yeah. there, there's a bunch of posters that date back from some of the early years, so you can, Take you can get a sense yeah, of that yeah. as you go down there. I mean, they were, they, they were finding, you know, you know, anything from the older canon from like, the, the earlier, like the boys in the band going all the way back to right. those first shows that okay. were kind of dealing with it to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of plays out there, you know, that, that are, that Tons. you can find in lots of, lots of writers that, you know, that identify, but, but, but as, as those writers are coming back up online and we're getting more trans writers and more people that can, yeah. kind of, that can sort of, you know, represent the full community, it's really getting exciting because now, because, because like I was saying before, our community is so rich and diverse with this acronym that we have that the, the needs and wants are different within that. So how do you how do you codify this community around something like this theater and and get everyone to support every aspect of it? That's that's something that we're we're looking at. That is the hardest thing. <laughs> that it is, cause it's, because it's like what do you really do? It's actually the funny thing is you have the the older people, right? Say say like sixteen above, and then you have the twenty and under, right? No, let's say 25 and under. I'm finding, no matter what, I'm finding anyone between like the, between 25 and like 35, that's an interesting gap of people's mindset, mindset, right? Because some of them are young enough to like really be into their Snapchat and like, but then there's that like other part that's like, I don't really care, but they also are not connected to themselves in any way. Right. So like, where do you like find that like happy medium and like, how do you get their butts in the seats to see an experience? I mean, it comes down to programming. I mean, that's why we, we do we do occasionally do a town hall where, where the community can come and sort of talk a little bit about what oh, what cool. they're looking for and things, and then that you know then the program department can kind of like oh that's an interesting try, way of try doing to it. Look at it and say, well, you know, because we what we don't want to do is have it end up being like, oh, this is the lesbian show, this is the trans show, sure. you know, because we want to program so that these are human stories, so that right. you know everyone is getting something out of it. Um, 
and that's just taking it's like it's just a slow shift of, of awareness to, to, to understand that oh yeah like we trust this theater enough this this theater does consistently good work let's get behind them let's support them and whatever they're presenting we're gonna we're gonna get into so that's something that we've been slowly working with with our with our community of, of just you know trust us come on down and support us when you buy the ticket, you not only get to see a great piece of theater, but you get to support all of these amazing programs that we're doing in the community. Right. So, right. you know, and, and the ticket sales only cover, you know, 30%. I know, it's usually like the, the, the concessions that will cover. The, the, we make a joke about that at our theater. I'm telling you, it's the funniest thing ever. They are like, the concessions, we ourselves, I mean, don't get me wrong, and I'll take this part out, but this theater that I work for is 500 seats, and they just sold out 10 shows of Mamma Mia. So do the math. So right, so, <laughs> so that you know, but you know, every now and again, and they're not even like full professional. So that you, so that you know, you can take a hit on another on a, a lesser known show. Well, they've had a good ride. It's been Newsies into Chorus Line into Mamma Mia, and they just sold all right. those. I think that I think I did the math, and it was like if everybody came, it was like over like almost a hundred thousand people came to these shows wow. since the summer till now That's because it's five hundred seats, and yeah. but that's different too because they're like a mix of like community and professional. Right. So it's like that fine line, like they don't pay any of their actors, but sometimes they do, right. you know, and I'll take this part out so they don't, I don't want to talk about this, <laughs> but I'm the one that gets paid and like, so that's why I'm like, hey, but it's an, it's an interesting like, um, game, but either way, it's right. But the, the, the larger point is like, what is your mission or what is right. your goal? How are you serving the people around you? And, and, and that's okay because those shows are important because people they are they, totally people want to go and just have it and forget about the, all the troubles for a, a little while or, or to you know hear see right. some amazing talent I mean musical theater is hard mm-hmm. it takes an incredible amount of that, that triple threat is, is hard and it's impressive to see and it's inspiring to see it's inspiring to see and to hear and like they you know they do the old ones too like Camelot right sure. that sells out like crazy because everybody that's there is above the age of 90 seeing that show Which and they're like I remember when I saw uh, him and whatever Rex Harris, right? Yeah. And the original in Camelot. So it's like. But it's even more reason going back to our earlier point of like we gotta get that younger bracket to yes. understand and value this live medium because right. let's do the math. In twenty years, most of those patrons that are supporting most of the theater will have moved on, and <laughs> you know where is that new? Where is that recurring funding stream? Where is the where is the support? Right. So, I mean, that's why some of these programs, hopefully, you know, are, are giving some options, not only to the cultural experience of seeing live theater, but also, like, some of what we do in our education is, is to show all of the different possible career paths that you can do in the arts. Because a lot of people might think, oh, a director, maybe, uh, maybe an actor, or maybe a director. But, you know, when you get into the design elements, and the front of house, and the back of house, and the crew, and the, you know, it's like all of a sudden, a kid can find... Some, you know, mm-hmm. now I'm not, I'm not necessarily pushing them into a career in the arts, but it's a, it's a nice lesson to be like, hey, listen, look at all of these different skills and different people that are working on this one show that you're seeing. Right. And how many different, you know, career paths can you find within this? And within that, a kid's going to find something that they're good at. Like, and there's a lot of kids out there that love art, you know, but it's also like, you know, it's like it's hard to make a living as an artist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, what are you going to do? Paint sets. That's why I'm like, and it's true, like, people don't really understand the amount of, for every one show, the, the team, I just went and saw a show at the um, Ogunquin Playhouse oh, in Maine, I, I right? Know, I know those guys, yeah. But it's so funny to look at their roster of the artistic team and, like, the amount of people that 
probably most of them are interns doing wigs and costumes and like, but like who's just like supervising what? Right. And the list is like 40 people involved in just one show. Yeah, I know. It's intense. It's like when you watch the credits of a movie. It's like, you know, you know, painters, 30 seconds Photographer, of the, I mean, it's the, same the person that's in charge of that person yeah. and the person that's in charge of that person. And I like that about our talkbacks and our post-show discussions because we just did this for Girlfriend where, you know, you only see two actors on stage, but the team, we had almost... Ten people that came out for the talk back that were part of the team. Right. Stage manager. They're like, what is all the band, this? musical director, uh, the cast, part of the crew. And then they get to see it. They go, who are all these people? Oh, these are the, all the different talents that make this happen. Right. And what about all the designers that aren't up here? And, you know, the construction of those people things. Just, the director probably yeah. wasn't there or the associate. So it's, I like that because it, it, it is, it's showing some alternative ways of finding a career in the arts. So with all of these amazing programs here and um, the work that you guys continue to do and will continue to do forever and ever, what are some words of wisdom that you have for queer youth? Maybe they're into theater, maybe they're not. What would you say to them to see if they could, you know, what would you say to them? Um, my message for, for queer youth is that you should just keep, keep trucking. And, I, and kindness and love goes a long way. Uh, our community takes a lot of negativity a lot of the time. And um, I think that, I, I just think that modeling some kindness and love and also putting that back on yourself to be patient and be supportive of yourself is going to take you really far. That and a positive attitude. That's what I would say. Well, thank you for listening to that episode. Uh, some of the things that were talked about specifically the show Girlfriends has since closed because that was last year of 2019. I just wanted you to know. But please, 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 please check out all the information on the theater company at diversionary.org. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and thank you for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.